0: Hey everybody, it's Justin. Uh, This is a very special reposting of our interview with Ann Crabtree, costume designer for The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, We've been talking all month long about SCAD FASH, the Fashion and Film Museum in Atlanta, Georgia, for the Savannah College of Art and Design. She has an exhibit there, and back in April... It was opening, opened April 30th, and we interviewed her in the beginning of April to get her uh, take on it and tell us all about how it came to be and talk about all the things that were getting ready to happen with season two. And so we wanted to reissue this so you could hear all about the exhibit from kind of her point of view and how it all got started. There's some really great insight into the exhibit, talks about how she made it. And the idea behind it, it's its really good stuff, and lots of other things we discussed. So enjoy this, and once again, if you want to get more information about the Dressing for Dystopia exhibit at the SCAD Fashion Museum of Fashion and Film in Atlanta, Georgia, it is open to the public until August 11th. You can get more information on their website at SCADFASH.org. That's SCADFASH.org. Enjoy. Hey everyone, it's Justin,
1: Diana, and Sarah.
0: And welcome to Mayday. How's everybody doing out there? All right, today is a very special day for us. Today, we are catching up with someone who is very near and dear to the hearts of the Mayday podcast. She was the first person that we ever interviewed that was from The Handmaid's Tale Show. We collaborated with her once again in the late fall when she served as our celebrity judge in our first ever Handmaid's Tale costume contest. In 2017, her now iconic costume designed for The Handmaid's Tale took the world by storm as women everywhere made it their uniform of choice at protests, marches, and rallies in the fights for women's rights.
1: She was nominated for an Emmy for her work on The Handmaid's Tale and has earned the Costume Designers Guild Award for Excellence in Contemporary Television. And now, with season two of The Handmaid's Tale set to premiere on April 25th, the show's costume designer Ann Crabtree is set to give her fans their closest look yet at her award-winning costume designs. She's collaborating with the Savannah College of Art and Design, or SCAD, on a new exhibition at the SCAD Fashion Museum of Fashion and Film in Atlanta, Georgia. The exhibit includes feature costumes from The Handmaid's Tale, including more than 40 garments from seasons one and two of the show. The exhibit will be on view from April 30th through August 12th. Admission to the exhibition is open to the public with the cost of museum admission, but it's free to all museum members as well as SCAD students, faculty and staff with a valid SCAD card. And it makes me so happy to welcome Anne Crabtree back to the Mayday podcast. How are you doing, Anne?
2: Good morning. <clears throat> I'm doing so well and so happy to hear your voices. Thank you. Well,
0: it is great to have you back. First of all, congratulations on an amazing year for the show and for yourself getting the Costume Designer Guild Award. An incredible year for everything Handmaid's Tale, really. Uh, tell us about what this yeah. year has been like for you. What's the ride been like?
2: It's been really, uh, sincerely beautiful and completely surprising at every turn. And, uh, I I just said to someone yesterday, it is 100%. It's been 100% the most personal project I've been on. So to have all of the people accept and receive and be supportive of the show, you know, it's just, what can you say? You can't dream up a year like this. (laughs) If you tried,
0: (laughs) that's fantastic, and it seems like it's going to keep going. Seems like you're not you're not really getting a break. You're right on the tails of all the success from season one, right into season two, and then right into this massive exhibit that you're doing with the SCAD Fashion Museum in Atlanta. So, tell us how that all came about, and tell us uh, how you hooked up with SCAD.
2: Yes, so really incredible. First, I want to say that I'm so excited because I am from the South. I'm from Kentucky. I consider that the South.
1: <laughs> and we do too. So, are we?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so many people that are further south don't, but it is the South. And you know, to to have my first ever uh museum exhibition in the South is so huge, again, so personal that um there's no words. But how it came about is well, two things. Last spring in Los Angeles, I was asked to do a pop-up exhibition at Paley Center, uh, Museum of Television and Film, and then I was asked to do a another pop-up exhibition in Vo- with Vogue magazine in New York City at the Public uh, Hotel. And so both exhibitions, you know, garnered interest in the costumes as another layer of telling the story. And so, of course, we had folks that are interested, you know, from a costume design perspective, really cool students, people who work in the industry. But what's neat is that that first exhibition at the Paley was more about that, people who are fans of the show, people who are getting into the business, people who want to design, um, and sort of people that have political interest in the show. That was um, the first. And then in Vogue, it was folks who were interested in fashion along with the show. And um, each time it opened up a new world, it was very short for both moments. I think it was perhaps five days each show. And I met someone named Mange Banzima, who is an African um, incredible fashion photographer and, and art photographer in New York City. He designed the Vogue show. And he kept saying, Anne, you know, we need to do this more long-term because on the very last day of the show, I wasn't there. He was there. He had brought his friends back to look at things more closely. And people kept coming up to him saying, why are you closing the show? We need more time. We need to bring friends back. And so Mange is largely responsible for this show at SCAD. He was a graduate at SCAD. He, um, he and his wife are in the art world's... Uh, not just in New York, but internationally. And he said, hey, what if we put up a giant show just to see if we can't? (laughs) In the midst of... Doing a whole season, shooting multiple episodes, him, you know, involved with his life and his business. We managed to pull it off, and we're getting ready to do that at the end of this month. I can't believe it. Again, another giant surprise.
0: I know, right? Uh, Those are the best kinds of uh, projects, right? The ones that you just (laughs) try and do just to see if you can. That's awesome. That's it. Yeah, and I'm really excited. I was really excited to learn about the SCAD Fashion Museum. I was talking to them the other day. and They're apparently the only museum of fashion and film. Which is an excellent, really interesting combination right. of things. So, have you been That's down to the? You've been down to the museum, obviously helping them set it all up. <laughs> what What do you What do you think of it so far since you've seen it?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I I know Scad Museum in Savannah, Georgia, only because I was working in Georgia. I've, I've worked a lot in Georgia. I have a very um, heart filled relationship with that state, and my dog is from Georgia. Like, right. there's so many uh, moments <laughs> that I have been able to have been supported via work in Georgia. So I know Savannah and I and I recognize then, this is like uh four or five it's actually five years ago, that they really have a very modern way of approaching education with their students vis a vis putting them into an industry like um architecture, like set design, like fashion design and they're very uh, progressive that's the word and so i was really sparked personally with that idea of that kind of institution being right there in the south and perhaps i didn't know enough about it growing up and so this is their sister college in atlanta which honestly i haven't been to yet long story short i had to leave handmaid's early and come start a film in los angeles uh just a week ago and so um, that exhibition, Mange and I will go down at just about a week before the show opens and put that together. So I, I've, I've seen it, you know, remotely in this age of the Jetsons, as I call it. I've seen it, you know, via FaceTime to start planning. Isn't that crazy? That's hilarious. I, I, I realized working in two different countries and now with the extension of Puerto Rico, which is where I'm going to be shooting next, you can actually do. Multi city, multi country planning. You know, at this moment, we're sort of planning things in four or five different places, all in different countries, and it's pretty amazing. But um, I'm like everybody else. I'm going to be very excited. Um, I do know what they have planned, so it's not going to be that big of a surprise. (laughs) But to, to be able to get into the space for the first time just a few days before, like that to me is being like a kid because I'm so elated because. A mentor of mine uh, who I worked for at a museum in Evansville, Indiana, John W. Streetman, he is coming to this exhibition, and it it really sincerely brings tears to my eyes because he's the one I want to impress most. So I'll just be seeing that show moments before John Streetman, but also he's the one who took me to New York to the Met Museum when I was 15 and introduced me to Diana Vreeland um, you know, doing her beautiful work at the Met Museum for costume. So he has every reason to be there and maybe the most reason to be at this opening.
0: Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you get to share that with it's,
2: him. Yeah, it's really cool.
0: Well, no, I thought it was interesting that not only are you doing this exhibit, but this is their first exhibit of a costume design at this actual museum. So how does it feel to be the first <sighs> of a, of its kind at a at a museum?
2: And then, Justin, I don't know. I mean, I, it, listen, it was huge enough. It was huge enough to get an exhibition in the first place. And then I had to, you know, break the news to my parents and my mother and say, my God, the, the one and only exhibition next door to this one will be the retrospective of the genius Pierre Cardin. So I, I have no words. I just have, you know, a huge giant bundle of infinite gratefulness because the first the first of its kind, I mean that is um, I don't actually have any understanding or words as to why all this goodness is happening <laughs> I'm just really pleased and uh, yeah it's like kismet really
0: Well you seem to be embracing it and kind of rolling with it which I think is all you can do but have you had time to sit back and reflect on it and kind of let it No,
2: no? <laughs> well yes yeah. You know, in in quiet moments on Sundays when I'm not working. Uh,
1: But what's happened is, you know,
2: this came about a few months ago. There are other exhibitions, which I can't mention because they haven't been announced yet. And then simultaneously, The Handmaid's Tale has only gotten harder, stronger, you know, more frightening, uh, more uh, colossal in its storytelling. And so it's been all big. And then to top it off, I got this outrageous film opportunity to work with Dee Reese, who's also from the South. She did Mudbound. And I had to say yes. And The Handmaid's Tale My family there graciously allowed me to leave early. So in the midst of that, I also had to move from another country back here and move my whole office. You know, it's just been kind of like close your eyes, check off the next thing on the list, move in the right direction. (laughs) (laughs) And hope you do it well. And hope you do it well is the, the underlying
1: thing. That is truly amazing. Yeah, we've seen the first episode of season two. So we've gotten a sense of the hardness (laughs) that is to come. Yes. Um,
2: More than me. I mean, I was there, but I'm quite curious to see what
1: you think. Oh, my gosh. We could not be more excited about it.
0: It looks phenomenal. The the quality level is not dropped at all.
1: That was, yeah, that was my main comment after watching the first episode. We were like that it is the level of quality we've come to expect from this show. So, um, so, That's so, cool. so 40 pieces is incredible. What, how did you decide to choose those pieces? Like, what was that process like for you? That must've been a fun endeavor or maybe challenging. It's, it's, I don't know.
2: It's, it's, it's both. So I am a girl who, it sounds perhaps corny and cliche, but it's the absolute truth. I, each one of those creations is like a child that you give birth to. And then you know, how do you choose between your children? It's like one is not better than the other, and each one was essential for telling a story. And so hilariously, 40 is a lot, but I was telling them, hey, let's have 175, let's have (laughs) 108.
1: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Because I
2: wanted to create, you know, thank God they put a stop to me because, first of all, you know, while you're shooting a show, it's quite... uh, Not difficult, but, you know, you have to be really careful in the pieces you send because we are a show who builds everything and we use it all. You know, whether it's on a main character or a a new character or uh, a background artist or, you know, their clothes are going on fire or... Right. (laughs) You have to have 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 many, you know, to put it bluntly. And so... um, it was really difficult to to work around the shooting schedule to see what could actually leave. That's always a big scare. And then once I did that, I kind of upped the ante in terms of designing so that nothing would be missed. You know, it's, it's okay. Put all those costumes to bed, let them live elsewhere at an exhibition. And now, you know, work like a mad demon to design doubly the amount more so that you could still not uh, you could still support the show and the filming of it and also this this whole exhibition so it's it was the only way to do it, um, create more you know and then because you want to have a succinct uh, idea of an exhibition and what's cool about SCAD and Mange uh, Bandima is that they you know, they've done this. This is their 4K and they're beautiful editors and they've created, I think, 40 of the best pieces to tell a story. You know, when I, when I heard that they wanted to do this, I love costume design. I love costume exhibitions. I'll watch even on the way home from Canada on the airplane here. I love watching uh, documentaries about fashion designers. Like it is not something that bores me. But, uh, one thing that I, that I always want to make more interesting is the way the story of costumes and the way that the story of fashion design is told, because I think it's um, kind of an abstract thing. And so when we started talking about this exhibition, I said, man, please, let's not make it a, a visual where people just walk through and see beautiful clothes on beautiful mannequins. And it's, you know, I don't want it to be so straightforward. What I would really love is this kind of deeply immersive experience where the viewers are walking through this landmine of visuals and sights and sound so that they're actually catapulted into Gilead. And I believe we've done that, you know, or we will do that.
0: (laughs) Can we go right now? I want to go right now.
2: I know, that sounds so beautiful. That sounds awesome. (laughs) It's like the
1: only way to (laughs) go to Gilead.
2: Because you guys know and, and, you know, the fans and the viewers know, um, whether of the book, of Margaret Atwood's book or of the series, it is a world that is quite difficult to escape once you're in it. And even for me, you know, it, it should be very interesting to be prepping this other film, which is a very intense, uh, feminist story because there's still residual creative wanderings. Uh, for lack of a better expression, for handmaids, it really gets under your bones. I just said this basically to Margaret Atwood, um, who's sending along a little surprise message to the SCAD exhibition, but I have said it to Lizzie, and it's really, um, it's a very unusual project, Handmaid's Tale. It uh I don't know if there's something called method designing, not to make fun of that. Uh, perhaps this is it, because it does not leave you. You know, and so I want that same experience for people who maybe even have an experience with Handmaid's Tale. I want them to understand that kind of, you know, film within a film or a person that gets dropped into a story and they are actually not just viewing it, they're in it. They are feeling it emotionally, psychologically. That's what I would like to have happen.
0: That's incredible. Yeah.
2: That
1: that's not, I think that's right? a great
0: way to do it because I do think that yeah, I agree with you. If it would just be kind of walking through and looking at them be awesome, but having a fully yeah. immersive experience is yeah. even better.
1: It would just be very passive. That's right.
2: Well, and it's so engaging. Yeah, keeping and with you the know, there, I can't say this is all my own idea. This this uh premise of the exhibition. I had read um about this Mexican artist from the 70s who a Brazilian, forgive me, Brazilian who um came up with the original idea of immersive art for people to come to see his work and, you know, take off their shoes and walk through part of the exhibit or part of the art piece that was just water, you know, and then grab a shirt and put it on. And it kind of in a very abstract way, it started thinking about how does one relate to costume? How does it relate to clothing? Other than it being a shirt or a pair of pants or a handmade dress, you know, better to metaphorically put it on so that you understand the lifeline of that piece of costume or the whole of the costume.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was smoke.
1: like, Are you guys really want to yeah. go?
0: No, we're just listening to you speak <laughs> eloquently about costume design, and it's amazing. It's listening to an artist speak about their art. It's It's awesome. And so I have a very dumbed-down question that I just thought of. So you're you're exhibiting 40 pieces. If you had to guess, how many pieces have you developed or designed for The Handmaid's Tale in total, do you think?
2: Holy crap. I don't have a clue. I really don't. That would be something. That would be really something. I'm sure there's an accountant somewhere who could tell you. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: funny. I was just curious. uh, Because to me, 40 seems like a lot. But when you think about the scope of the show, it's just uh, there's got to be hundreds.
2: It's nothing. It's nothing. I mean, it is something. It's huge. But um, you're right. Uh, in thinking of all of it, that would be really interesting. I, I will say this. I've created this show with all of my beautiful costume folks, my costume family in Toronto, and it really does feel as if you you enter into the costume room, we shut the door, and you're into this, you might as well think of all of us as a Kano people you know, building these costumes in a factory. I mean, it's yeah. really true for Gilead because that's what we're doing every day. It's as if, you know, the world is shut out and we're in Gilead and we're just doing this and, you know, delivering it to the set. But it's, it it is that insular, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I have no clue and now I want to know. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure how to find out, but I will just say, Bajillions, you know, like it, there's so many, there's so many nuts and bolts also that go to each costume that it's not even just a dress. Like we, we've been hand knitting and hand crocheting everything. Oh my uh, god! For babies, because I'm crazy, and I said, <laughs> look, the, <laughs> the, you know, I, it was always season two. How do we up the ante? Like always, and. You know, having a milliner on a TV show is next to Lenny because, you know, what we're doing is actually designing couture um, for the fashion world, but at a TV pace. We are doing a film every day, all day, but at a TV pace. So people think we're nuts that we have a milliner, that we're hand building those wings and those caplets and a million other. We're crocheting and knitting the headgear for the Akana wives and, you know, Lizzie's gray hat that you saw. And I decided that everything is story related. So, yes, I've always said we are the factory that Gilead goes to to make their clothes. There is no (laughs) wives store in America. You have to go to Gilead and that is in the costume shop, but... But also the the wives, you know, they they don't have jobs. Women don't have jobs in Juliet, and so you've seen a whole season of Serena Joy knitting, or or other people, you know, doing kind of very. They they do organic gardening because it's better for the families and the babies. They knit their own things because it's in the old way. And so, where do all those knitted pieces go? Like is there a trunk where nothing you know gets stuffed in there? So I said it's it's for the babies that may or may not arrive in season two and so yeah it's it's pretty cuckoo like it's um we've really gone even more intensely even in the production of making all of these things for the reasons from the story
1: do you think that you'll have some of this kind of uh, deep background information or other types of information um in the exhibit with the with the costumes themselves?
2: Yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out the how of that because it really is something that is essential, I think. Um, you know, it's like how much information do you give people? Because I know with art you want to come and experience it on your own and decide on your own what that means to the individual. And I think we're trying to find a way to still do that, have the freedom for people to breathe what they're seeing and and decide metaphorically what it means to them. But there is. That's a good question. That's Tiana, yeah?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, That's a good question. You know, how do you translate all that happens within the clothing? You know, you don't want it to read like a label in a a dress. For sure. This is made from cotton rayon, blah, blah, blah. Do not, (laughs) you know, only hand wash. I mean, yes, that's true, but it's so many things. Clothing is so many things. It's really funny. I never used to think that. But I think what we're going to do is, well, I'm also going to teach a master class there, which I can't wait. They'll probably say, you need to come to school because we can how teach do, you How do more. I get to this? Wow. I don't, well, you may have to oh my uh, goodness. To college. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you're welcome to. No, give no, give I, away you know, a
0: scholarship I, to SCAD on the podcast. There you go.
2: Hey, <laughs> that would be the thing. Holy smoke! I'll I'll apply. But uh, you know, I think I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna have um, they're gonna have iPads, right? Um, with docents that they're very very uh, well versed in the how of the costumes. So I think I'm leading a class on what the terminology is for the costumes, how it came about, what it means to the show. And that's probably going to be in their iPads as they lead people around, um, if you want that experience, you know. And then what's really cool is, and I'm trying to visualize how this might look, because they're awesome and the museum is attached to a school, to a college, they have a lab, a creative lab. that's just to the side of the exhibit. And it has all of my original muslins uh, that I created for each costume, not each costume, but many. And what I love is that they're gonna be the first um, place to exhibit that shows the things that didn't make it to screen because they didn't work, like the failures. I think that's really important to show the students. There were so many failures, you know. um, Either it didn't – sorry, that's my my dog, Georgia, from Georgia. Georgia. Um, so, you know, it, it, what I love about this ex- exhibit, and this is only what I'm hoping for, but I think viewers, you know, visitors will come away from this experience having seen the truth, which is these are, these are my failures. You know, these are what worked for the show. And um, hopefully they'll come away with a really personal experience
0: you're enjoying this reposting of our interview from April, uh, right before Anne Crabtree's exhibit, Dressing for Dystopia, opened at the Scadfash Museum of Fashion and Film. Once again, you can go see this right now. It is available and open to the public until August 12th. And you can get more information at scadfash.org. You should definitely go check it out. It's got over 40 costumes featured from Anne Crabtree's designs in The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, lots of fun stuff. You can go also and check out some of the other exhibits at the Scad Fash Museum, and is not the only one. They also have a Pierre Cardin exhibit going right now. It is a really, really cool uh, museum to check out. So lots of fun stuff to do, and Atlanta is awesome. So if you are in that area, please go check it out. Once again, you can get more information at scadfash.org. That's S-C-A-D-F-A-S-H dot org. You talked about going to the Met when you were 15 years old. And, uh, yeah. have you, have you given any thought to the fact that the next Dan Crabtree could be coming to your exhibit at Scat Fash Museum and producing something amazing inspired by your work?
2: Yes. And you just did the same thing you did last time and start tears coming from my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, It's good. It's good. You know what I have? I think, listen, it's never lost on me that I was such a lucky kid. Um and there was a lot of kismet in my life that on paper shouldn't have happened. But I was lucky enough. Well, first of all, in thinking about this show, I I always think back to Diana Vreeland because, you, you know, there's not a lot of people that put – there's more now. But when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of costume designers, at least that I knew about. I didn't even know what the term meant. And the fact that this museum director met myself and my friend at a Wendy's, okay, drive through in Evansville, Indiana. Um, he probably had been coming there forever. And I happened to work there from fifteen to seventeen, or maybe I think fifteen to seventeen at Wendy's, you know, Kismet, right? How does that happen? Yeah, that's incredible. And he met me and then as he kept coming in, he was like, Hey, you're a high school student, but I'm I'm doing this uh, museum trip to the Met. I'm doing this museum trip to New York City. That's all you got to say to a teen, right? right. My God. Uh, I think it was 19 – well, let's see. It might have been 1980 because I graduated in 82. So this is like, you know, a new decade. It's a whole new time. That's kismet as well, like, you know, a time of change. And so – I said yes. I scraped my Wendy's money together and got on that plane to go to Evansville, I mean, to New York City with my dear friend Scott Link. And the rest is history, you know. And I, in, in thinking of this exhibition, I literally, you have sort of out of body moments where you can physically feel the moment that you saw something that changed your life. Mine was. I don't know, you know, the listeners, if you've been to the Met, to the costume exhibitions, but they're phenomenal. And Diana Vreeland is long gone, but her energy stays in those exhibitions and in those halls. I remember going to the Met was enough. Going to New York City was enough. Going down the stairs at the Met Museum and holding on to the staircase, which was so phenomenal. The the, the stair rail to me was phenomenal. It was I can feel it now. It was molded marble of a staircase that led into the wall. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing on the planet. You know, <laughs> the the stair rail was <laughs> mind-blowing to me. And I'm holding that cold marble going down, and I remember the stairs. And then all of a sudden, it was a wonder of, you know, it was a sight and sound. It was so heady, all the visuals of that exhibition. And that was my first introduction to costume design and i retold that story to this museum director john streetman because i don't know if he had any idea what he did for me that day coming into wendys and ordering a burger you know <laughs> it's crazy. crazy you never That's know crazy. the influence you're going to have on someone
0: yeah, yeah you never know where where your your life is going to change and i think it's interesting cuz sarah is a teacher and so sarah an kind of sarah is a high school teacher and so she kind of lives this every day and so i wanted to get your perspective sarah on that and kind of the things that you've seen or maybe like this perspective of a kid going and seeing something and really coming to you later and being like oh this did x for me
1: uh, well and it's, yeah. always, it's so true and that it's always the last person you expect it's always the last thing that you expect you know there are times where you're like okay this could be good and then nothing ever comes of it and then there's that random day or that random thing or that random kid and they'll be like hey this was really meaningful to me and you're like really i mean you're happy always but it's always the last thing you expect so from a teacher you know from a teacher view and lens of everything you've been saying even back like just to backtrack when you talked about showing your failures um from the show and how important that is that is so important and as a teacher i think about that sort of thing all the time and i talk about kids with it all the time so it was so neat to hear you say that you were going to use that as a learning tool because it's it's hard for a lot of people to do so i thought that was really neat but yeah no that's when you said that i thought about that as a again as a teacher because i was like yeah that's that's so it's always those little things and then they become something really big and maybe he never expected that you would have become who you are but you did and it's just so neat So
2: true, sarah i want to thank you because they're not enough teachers in the world, and certainly, <laughs> you. you know, it, it, it's everything. It's such a, an, an a very important job. I find education to be everything, especially in my, my own life, you know, and in many people's lives, I know. It, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for someone saying, like, you have something, let's cultivate it. You know, to be better. And so thank you for, for being a teacher and for sharing your wealth of life experience and knowledge
1: with your students. That's huge. Thanks. That's, um, it can be exhausting. Justin's, a- Justin's married to one, so he knows. Yes, I am
0: married to one. <laughs> oh, we, we're a very, uh, teacher well, for, we're, we're pro teacher, very pro educator <laughs> on the uh, Mayday podcast for very, sure. Very, very
1: true. Amazing.
2: Well, yeah. I want to say one thing you said. Did I think about that? One thing that just happened with, thinking on students and thinking on you know, exposure to to life for students. And in in the packing up of my office I have this giant, you know, trophy that in its very essence is just metal and um, with an inscription. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a piece of metal. But you know, I was thinking, uh, I can't bring this home on the plane. It's it's like a weapon. You could actually kill somebody with it because it has a sharp dagger. And I was so surprised they let me on the plane back to Canada with it after the <laughs> awards. But I, I was because you could kill somebody with one uh, blow. And if you need to know that for later, there you go. But uh, so, so I said, you know, this is weird. I don't want to do it from an egotistical point of view. But why don't we send this to the exhibition? Uh, because, not to say this is my trophy, I'm so proud, here it is, because I am proud, but that exhibition is not about that. But I said, what if we use it in the lab? You know, because I just, the weight of it is so incredible. It's, you know, I think since I was a kid, the thing that I love to watch every year without fail at the Oscars is just, the two categories oddly best uh film best director and best film and I always wanted to know what that felt like that cold metal of weight in your hand like winning an award and I'm somebody who never won anything I won a banana split in the project (laughs) as a kid and I was so proud because it was a giant banana split and not an ice cream cone and I remember walking in front of all these kids to get it you know uh me this like weird interracial kid and i I was like oh this is something i'm going to get this giant dessert and walk back through all the crowd you know now i I kind of that moment came up again at the awards but really i thought if somebody had thrust this into my hand as a teenager or as a kid in college maybe i would have won this award way sooner (laughs) i mean i'm 53 (laughs) and I think it's cool. Like I brought it back so that everybody on my team could feel it and have their photo taken with it and be proud because they are a part of it. So I just thought to Scad, why don't we just have this? It doesn't need to mean anything except what if one of you kids at the school get this one day? Like what if, you know, and maybe not this specifically, but what if you're recognized for your talent? for your innate creativity one day like just the what if you fill in the blanks
0: That's awesome. And you see that a lot with sports like the Stanley Cup for oh, hockey really? they'll bring that to town and like it's been here we've never won one but it's been here <laughs> and the people will go and take a picture with it and or the Lombardi trophy for football they'll bring it around to different cities and the Heisman That's trophy fair. any anything like that and it just yeah, inspires people Yeah and, and it's you it crazy?
2: Go. Yeah. I'm I'm sad now cuz I thought
0: it was the first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you probably are in this in this uh, yeah, arena, but uh yeah, it's That's it's cool. just one of those things where you never know. Like to you again, it's a a hunk of metal with some inscription on it, but to somebody else it's some inspiration that may catapult them into something else. Um so let's talk it's real quick a uh, get a little bit yes. little more back into the Scad event. So not only are they doing the exhibit, but on the 30th there is a VIP event to open up the exhibit Followed by a screening of episode three, which will be two days before the public actually gets to see it on Hulu, um, along with a Q&A panel with cast members. We're not sure who exactly is confirmed for that yet, but uh, that is very exciting. So tell us a little bit more about that.
2: So, yes, we'll open with the exhibition and then we will all go to to the viewing, the premiere of episode three. And then the, the panel at the end will be myself and I wish I could say, but maybe they're wanting to keep it secret, beautiful actors who are coming to Georgia to share, you know, their knowledge with the crowd. It's, um, it's what we wanted to do at SCAD when we first started talking, because I'm from the South. We said, why not make this such a blowout event that it, it matches you know, the east side, west side, <laughs> New York and Los Angeles of it all. Let's make the South a grand place to to celebrate fashion and film and have our own premiere. And I can't believe that actually that became a part of it as well. Um, it's cool. You know, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the costumes of the show without the story and the visuals of the show. And so I'm so happy that because SCAD also has both fashion and film and and many others. I'm happy that it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. And I think the panel is really important because it's one thing to know the characters, you know, as they are in the show, but they're such incredibly beautiful, creative, uh, intellectual people that I think sharing their knowledge with the crowd and with the students will be also pretty formative. I, I think it will be inspiring to the kids. Um, so, uh,
0: so, on that I mean, night is, uh, so people will be able to get into the exhibit for the first time, correct?
2: 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, are you going to be on hand <laughs> so people can consult you about the, uh, their thoughts on your costume designs? Or are you going <laughs> to yeah,
2: be? Uh, I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm putting it together with Mange Benzema, and then I will be there, of course, with the opening with my whole family. Oh, awesome. Uh, Hi. uh, from Kentucky and my sweetheart, and, and as I said, John Streetman. And what's really amazing is, um, when you get to be this age, <laughs> you realize who are the people in your life, your life that um, have helped sort of form who you are. And beyond those people, uh, my incredible family, my mom and dad, and my brother and my niece. You know, I'm bringing my niece's children, who are my great nieces, because I want them to see not only a member of their family in a museum, but a person of color in a museum, a person, a woman. In a museum, and I'm not saying I'm an artist by any means or stretch of the imagination, but I want them to take that back with them and do the same, you know. So it was really important, even <laughs> though one of them is two. You never know. I want her to be in that environment, and um, beyond that, I have. Uh, when I first moved to New York after being 15, I worked uh, at an amazing uh, place called Bonwit Teller, uh, which is no longer there on Fifth Avenue and 57th, and. So my boss, who's still a good friend in Georgia, is coming. And, you know, it's just it's just really cool. The people that are arriving will be very, very important to my life and infused into that exhibition by virtue of being in my life, you know.
0: That's well, awesome. I'm, uh, it's really cool that you get to share that with everyone. And, that, you know, proximity-wise, it's close enough to get more people down there for you.
2: It's awesome. I mean, they have been. That was the first place they ever came to visit me on set. My parents uh, and little brother on a show called Rectify, um, and that was the thing. I said, "You're in Kentucky. Let's come up. Come up and see me in Georgia." And then since then, they've been to Handmaid's Tale as
0: well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I do have to say that one of the, the my my more memorable things from your Instagram is when you had your parents at the Designer Guild Awards and you oh took a picture God. of them. That was awesome
2: at the Emmys. oh was yeah. it the Emmys okay that was, yeah that was I, I called that you know their you know dating for 80 year olds that was I mean like prom sorry prom for prom 80-year-olds. for 80 year olds that was their prom I mean they looked they looked amazing those two and my sweetheart and uh it was a good night I was a bit worried because it can be a bit hairy you know like lots of shuffling on red carpets and pushing people here and there and (laughs) to get the night through. But they, they did awesome. They, they, you know, they saw some amazing uh, people, actors that they adore. And um, they, they handled it all in stride. I have to say, I was pretty (laughs) proud of them. Probably they handled it better than me. me. (laughs) They were cute. You know, it was cute to see them there in that situation. And it made it more human to be honest with you, because it's a very nerve wracking kind of, situation and uh or night and having them there it kind of took the the weight off of myself and i said oh this is not the emmys this is this is the prom for 80 year olds much more fun
0: <laughs> so so we mentioned it in the in the opener uh the intro briefly but i want people to make sure they understand that there will also be costumes from the second season at this exhibit oh, yeah. uh so oh, that's, yeah. very, I mean, that's very very exciting
2: that's that's a huge thing because we weren't sure how much we could we could reveal right before uh, the end of the season and so I said well look we've already seen a teaser in Entertainment Weekly I forget when that came out and um, within that there will be season two trailers that that show tiny snippets you know like brief glimpses of the costumes And so that was the only way to be able to show some of the secrets. There are a few tiny things uh, that have not been shown in trailers that will be a very big reveal. And hopefully it won't, uh, the context, you know, hopefully it will have some context knowing that there's no trailer yet. But um, it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's so much actually. I won't say it's half and half uh first season second season but close because you know we do repeat some things like uh guardians and eyes right see from season to season mm-hmm. um i don't want to say too much cuz i want people to be surprised but yep. yeah there are great secrets being revealed uh in that exhibition
0: i just was curious if after everything that's happened and the success of season 1 if your approach had changed or been altered in, in the least uh, for season two, or did you just roll right through it and try not to think about it?
2: Both. Justin, psychic <laughs> friend. Uh, you know what? It, it was very daunting to get started. And I thought I was a loser and, you know, completely blocked. But even in talking with Bruce Miller, he said the same, you know, it's this thing of how do you make better, better? And so it, it, you know, it was, it was like a, a stupid, not waste of time, because I think it's a natural reaction for a human being to just get beyond it, because you don't have time to, to say, oh, poor me, I can't sketch. <laughs> like nobody's, nobody's interested, you know. <laughs> Honestly, um, you have to get over it, and and everyone was quite kind in understanding that we would go through that. But listen the show goes at such a rapid pace every day all day like literally running from thing to thing that it's very you wouldn't have enough time in your day to read everything that's online about the show um of course we read you know people's reactions to things but i went through a dry spell of a week to 10 days and then i couldn't that was too self indulgent so i had to make my way in Most especially to the colonies, um, which is one of the uh, sneaky peaks that you will see if you come to the exhibition. And it's one that I'm most proud of because it took so long for me to come up with something that wasn't just interesting, wasn't just supportive of story, but something that would have the same weight as, you know, let's say the Handmaid's costumes would, would have season one. It's also something that I know is very important to fans, uh, people who are just fans of the novel, like how to get it right Mm -hmm. for those folks. So listen, you're never going to, you're never going to be a mind reader. You're never going to get hit every visual point for every single soul. But I do know that through that struggle, I feel that I've come up with something really honest and really meaningful to the show. And hopefully people will feel that. Um, yes, you know, listen, it, it isn't that the press is important. Of course, it is important in that it supports us, uh, in our having a job. <laughs> <laughs> but what's important is to me, the thing that had the most impact was, you know, going around with Hulu for seven months, uh, and then physically meeting people, um, women mostly, but also men who had been in trying circumstances that would come up and want to talk about those circumstances from very, very many different walks of life, many cultures and you know, various religions, um and to have them want to share their stories because they were triggered by something in the show, um you know, even even online, uh, you know, I'm I'm still sort of sorting through the social media stuff, but a woman from Iran uh, sent me some photos of the revolution. And I'm not saying I have any weight uh, at all equal to what happened in Iran during the revolution. But she said, how did you know? How did you know when designing the costumes for the handmaid? And then she posted these beautiful black and white historical photos. You know, listen, I didn't know. I didn't. I'm not going to lie. But I think being someone who's from, who has parents from different backgrounds, who those backgrounds intermingling with the South and being raised into different religious cultures and being multiracial, I think all that kind of uh, haphazard mashup <laughs> that happens when, you know, people are from different everything, I think that you're, outlook on life has a different skew what i'm trying to do at all costs uh in in my job that i've been given to do the costumes is we don't ever want to say it's from this exact religion it's from this uh moment in in time historically and i think i've just been really lucky um via the choices that it speaks to a wide range of people so that to me yes had a lot of bearing and a lot of weight on my choices for season two I didn't want to mess it up I, you know I I wanted to keep going with that you know kind of clear vision that inspires and so that's a really big it's a tall order to repeat twice and only the viewers will know if I've succeeded or not
0: well from everything we've seen thus far we can say that you have succeeded. I would argue. And, uh, Absolutely. thank you. You, you earned, you earned yourself indulgent 10 days of trying to figure out how to sketch again. And, <laughs> and it, it was all, all the more worth it for Whatever sure. It takes. Yeah. So, once again, the SCAD Fash Museum exhibit will start for the public on May 1st. Season two of The Handmaid's Tale starts on the 25th of this month. And we will be watching those episodes and, uh, talking about them and Tiana's seen all three because we did get the screeners for all three oh, all the wow. first three episodes yeah. Sarah and I have not seen the other two so Tiana yeah, is am trying taking really hard not to say anything
1: and she's not That's telling <laughs> thing.
0: but so it's Scadfash Museum of Film and Fashion and it will be opening with the VIP ceremony on the 30th of April and Crabtree uh amazing interview as always once again we appreciate you taking the time to talk to our podcast and we will be in touch again if you uh if you will have us and return to us anytime oh God, that you have that. anything going on we will promote it i always i always oh, yeah. send everything out about in crabtree because i'm like she's a badass wow. and she's awesome and you need to know about her <laughs>
2: yeah. can i can i say one little shout out to margaret atwood absolutely of course <laughs> Because it's important to the to the exhibition at SCAD, I want you to know that after she saw uh, the first episode, she wrote back. Oh, at the first episode, she thought, actually, probably six episodes, she wrote to me and said, um, awesome, in giant letters, <laughs> that she thought it was terrific, and, you know, basically gave me her good graces for not only the colonies, but...